This morning, reading from Matthew, the 18th chapter. By the way, happy St. Patty's Day for all you Irish people out there. This is about as green as I get. Got green shoes. And, uh, cool. All right. That's all I got to say about that. I'm Puerto Rican. What do I care? Anyway. <laughs> God bless the Irish. <laughs> um, Matthew, the 18th chapter, verse 1, is where we're at in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, you have to know the context of this. <laughs> These guys would oftentimes argue about who was the greatest. One thing you can say for men, they, they generally don't have self-esteem issues. <laughs> we love ourselves. <laughs> These guys are arguing, I'm the greatest. No, you suck. I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. And they're arguing. They would literally get into arguing about who's going to be the greatest when they get to heaven. There's no lack of self-worth from these boys. And uh, they came to Jesus and said, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus does something unexpectedly. He calls a little child to him, it says, and uh, placed the child among them. And said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children. Unless you change. Everybody say change. change. Unless you change. Now there's a problem because a lot of people don't like to change. But if you're going to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It starts with believing and then changing. You have to change. Now you never stop changing. If you're going to grow in your faith you'll always be changing. A lot of people are resistant to change. They like who they are. They just write it off. That's just the way I am. And I, I'm always grumpy. And I, I, you know, I'm Irish or whatever. You know, I can't do it. You know, and they, we look for excuses not to change. But you can't do that. Uh, you need to change. We all need to change. If you're obnoxious today, you need to change. It might take you a while. But you need to be less obnoxious when you show up next week. And it takes time. I get it. But you can't just blow it off and say, I don't want to change, I'm just the way I am, blah, 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 blah. We often, people do that oftentimes out of frustration because they're not changing. But if you're struggling with changing, ask God to help you. So you can become the kind of person God wants you to become. Okay? And uh, say, oh, well, I don't know if I need to do that. Yeah, you do, because he says this, unless you change and become like a little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Holy cow. That's a pretty strong statement. Never enter the kingdom of heaven. What do you think option number two is? Not a good place. Okay. And Jesus wasn't messing around. He was always very strong. I keep pointing this out to you. Every picture you see of Jesus is this warm and fuzzy guy. Uh, they have this new series out. Have you seen this on cable? The Bible? It's kind of a, kind of a cool thing. They're going to eventually get to Jesus. I'm sure they'll probably make him look wussy too. They all do. It's just they can't help help themselves. You know, just a smiley, just ah. But the reality is Jesus was very strong. He wasn't a wuss and he wasn't just dancing around issues afraid to offend people. He was in their face constantly challenging them. Why? This is serious business. We are all headed for eternity. People act like they're never going to die. I got good news for you today. You're all going to die. Isn't that encouraging? Aren't you glad you came to church today? We're all going to die and we're all going to face eternity. Don't get caught up in your life right now and ignore the inevitable. And Jesus was constantly warning them about the inevitable. And he said, listen guys, if you don't change, everybody say change. change. If you don't change and become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom 
of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes such a child in my name welcomes me. Obviously, Jesus very big on being like a child. If you enter the kingdom of God, you have to become like a child. By the way, congratulations to the Duncans who are grandparents once again. Of Bob and Dana, the little baby boy. What number is this? No, of grandchildren. Seven. See, we can't even keep up with you guys anymore. Holy moly, that's awesome. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, now, now the thing about being a child, why is it important to be like a child? Why would Jesus say, this is what makes you the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because there's things about children that God celebrates. One of the things about children that you just got to love is they don't care what other people think. They're not overwhelmingly concerned about the opinions of others. They will do things and say things and sing things that oftentimes will embarrass you to tears, but they don't care because they're kids. You know, these are the kind of kids who'll be pushing them in a grocery cart and they'll take a roll of toilet paper and start singing a song about toilet paper at the top of their lungs. I love toilet paper. It's really fabulous. And then you're like, shh, quiet, quiet, quiet. And they're looking at you like, what's wrong with you? Well, people will hear you and it's like, who cares? See, because they, they have that I don't care attitude. They're not so concerned about what everybody else is always thinking about them. We need to be more like that. One of the reasons people are not more bold in their faith is because they're haunted by the opinions of others. What will everyone else say? What will everyone else think? Even when you're in a safe environment like in here in our churches, it's stunning to me how many of you don't worship God. You just stand there. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. But you need to, you know, be a little expressive. Sing. Why don't you sing? I don't want to sing. Someone might hear me sing. Why do you care? Because we're so caring about what everybody else says. You know, how about looking to God and lifting your hands to God? Well, I don't want to do that, you know. Sit there like this in church. You know, after a while, then you finally get to like this. Then you start going, you know. Uh, eventually, you get to the place where, you know, after three, four, five years, you can start raising your hands. And this is in church, for heaven's sakes. And you're uncomfortable. You know, we're not saying do this at work. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You'll get fired or they'll put you in the nut house. All right? But when you're in church, why do you have a hard time being expressive to God and singing and worshiping? When we're, that's the point of being when we're singing these songs. It's not so you can listen to the band. If you can listen to the band, we're going to start having a cover charge. All right? So it's about listening to the band. It's about you singing and worshiping God. Just don't stand there like a statue for heaven's sakes. Why don't you sing? I know because you're uncomfortable. But you need to change. Everybody say change. Alright, you need to change. Get more comfortable. Be expressed. Quit worrying about what everybody else thinks. Be more like a child. One of the other great things... Oh, by the way, I was going to use the analogy of our grandson, uh, Elliot. He's raised three years old. And uh, he's a pirate. And he doesn't care who knows he's a pirate. Everywhere he goes, he wants to wear his pirate outfits. And pirate hats, and he sings, yo ho, yo ho, a pirate. He knows the words to all that whole song. He uses phrases like scallywag. <laughs> He's just, you know, and he loves just, to, he doesn't understand why you can't just wear pirate stuff everywhere. You know, well, because people think, who cares? 
See, that, that, that attitude, they don't care. Some of you might remember him from the Christmas program. He was the little drummer boy. And said, oh, that cute little drummer hat. That wasn't a drummer hat, that was his pirate hat. Because he wasn't going to be a drummer boy if he couldn't be a pirate. So he was a pirate drummer boy. So <laughs> it's hilarious, you know. We just got to be more like that. Who cares what everybody else thinks? The other great thing about children is they're teachable. Okay? Don't be the kind of person you can't tell me nothing. I know stuff. You can't listen to you. Don't be like that. Be teachable. Why? Because you need to learn how to change. Everybody say change. All right, you got to learn how to change. So to learn, you got to listen. It's the point of listening to me blabber on. Giving you advice on how to change and become a better person, a better man, a better woman, a better child. So that we can grow in our faith and be everything that God wants us to be. The great thing about children is they're pretty open to listening. Yes, change and listening and learning from their parents. And by the way, when they are small children, take opportunity to speak into their lives. Particularly, you know, that 7 to 12 year old spat in there, you know. This is the great time you dad should really be spending time with your sons and your daughters. Speaking your values into them. Alright? Don't just waste that time. I know it's so easy to get caught up in life and work and everything else. Then you turn around and they're graduating and you missed it. Don't do that. Especially in those younger years. This is the most powerful time to speak into their lives. Because they still like you at this point. (laughs) They become teenagers. They're not nearly as open to your ideas. Okay? They become very resistant. You're trying to put your values in them as teenagers. That's not the time to do it. You're supposed to do it before. Do it before. Get your values in. And by the way, we all know they're going to turn into these little demon-possessed teenagers. All right? Talk to your kids before they get there. Let them know. You know, Bobby, in a few years, you're going to think I'm really stupid. No, I won't, Mommy. No. Yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. And you won't want to listen to me. And you're going to think I hate you. And your friends are more important than us. And at least warn them. You know it's coming. It's like death. Nobody prepares for death. Like you're not going to die. You know they're going to turn into teenagers. Unless you kill them first. All right? Which you should not do. But they're going to turn. You know it's coming. You know the changes. Don't deal with it when it gets there. Because then you're running around. A lot of parents are running around in a panic with their teenagers. Ah, what do I do? Ah, what do I do? How about you deal with getting the right values and preparing them before all that craziness enters their brains as they start turning into adults. Do it ahead of time. Don't train on game day. If you're the coach of the team, you teach them how to tackle and stuff and how to play the game when it doesn't matter. Right? Before the game comes. You don't run out there on game day. No, you're supposed to hold the ball like this. Oh, you would be greatly reviled as a coach if you were trying to teach them on game day. Don't do that. And millions of people do this. They go through those, you know, eight, nine years, ten years old. They say, oh, they're going to be like this forever. And you don't even want to talk about it. You don't even want to think about them turning into men and women. Uh, And then you're taken as a shock. Don't do that. Prepare them. Talk to them. Get them ready. Put your values in them. They are teachable. So Jesus talks about the value of becoming like a child so that you can enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he goes into this massive defense of children. Let's read this. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, 
it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and that they be drowned in the depths of the sea. Remember, it would be better for them. That's the best option for them. To be drowned in the depths of the sea. Holy moly. What's the other option? You don't want to know. That's why he's warning you. Don't mess around with this stuff. Okay? He says, woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe. Woe to the person through whom they come. And then he goes into this thing that he talked about on the, on the uh, Sermon on the Mount. He says, if your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. Look how strong he is when he's talking. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. He is not goofing around. He was extremely strong. Sadly, most depictions of Jesus remove any such talk from him. But we don't care about the depictions. We want the real Jesus. That's why we're reading the Gospels. Okay? Now, he's very, very strong in the defense of children and just threatens those. Warns them. It's more than a warn. It's a threat. Better to have a millstone hung around your neck and drowned in the sea than to cause these little ones to stumble, to sin, to fall away from me. Now, when you're reading this, you're thinking, what is he talking about? Is this a warning to pedophiles? Certainly that would fall into that category, causing one of these little ones to stumble and sin and fall away. And certainly if there's anybody you'd want to wrap a millstone around and toss him into the sea, it'd be one of those cats, right? But if you really think about it, in the context, it's highly unlikely that's what he's warning about. I doubt that 2,000 years ago in Israel there was a big pedophile problem. Who is he talking to? I think he's talking to and warning all of us, particularly as parents. We need to take being a parent very seriously. Woe to those who cause one of these little ones to fall away from me. Now it's sad when you think about it, but I've known a lot of Christian parents who their kids don't really want anything to do with Jesus. And you can't help but look at the way those parents uh, were parenting. Now, let me say this. You can be the perfect parent and still have a kid go off the reservation. All right? Uh, If a kid's behavior is a reflection on how bad the parent is, then God's a terrible parent. Because look at us. We're all a mess. And he's a perfect parent. So there's always that. But there are people, they don't pay attention to this whole parenting process. Again, they're not speaking into their lives. They're not building values into them. Everything else is more important than God. They come to the church on a Sunday only when there's nothing else to do. A lot of you do. I know who you are. You come and you go and you just don't take this very seriously. I'm saying you need to be careful. Okay? You need to take this seriously. If nothing else for your children because Jesus feels very intense about protecting the hearts of these children who will grow up and believe in him or as a result of what people do around them not to believe in him you need to be strong with them Uh, and speaking of teenagers one of the things parents need to do is when you your kids turn into teenagers don't quit parenting 
That's one of the biggest problems we have today. Parents quit parenting too soon. I get it. For 12 years, they've been sucking your brains dry. You know, mommy, mommy, I need this, mommy. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. And finally, they can get dressed by themselves. They don't poop their pants anymore. They can feed themselves. And some of them can drive. And the temptation is, thank God. Let them go. Oh, I got some time to myself. Take care. Don't quit parenting too soon. Finish the job. I promise you, Satan wants to destroy these little ones and get them before they become hardcore adults. They want to pull, he wants to pull away their faith from God. You need to keep parenting them, which means you're probably going to have conflict. If you stand between a kid and hell, you're going to have conflict. Quit freaking out. Oh, Pastor, this conflict in our home with our teenagers. Really? What a shock. Of course there's conflict. Listen, it's not your job to be their friend. Okay? It's not your job to be cool and accepted by their friends. We need people, parents who are less interested in being cool and more interested in being parents. Somebody say amen. amen. Good Lord. Well, I want to be a cool parent. Yeah, we used to love going over to the cool parents' house. That's where we'd smoke dope and party. While the parents were still in the house. Because they were dumb as bricks. They'd leave us alone for hours on end. Oh, we trust our kids. <laughs> you trust your kids and have no observation over them. You are a moron wrapped up in an idiot. Trust your kids for heaven's sakes. And you teenagers. You don't trust me. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much it. You're a teenager. Shut up. Nobody trusts you. Why do you think your teachers stay in the room while you're taking a test? Nobody trusts you. Why do you think the police are out there seeing how fast people drive? Because they don't trust you. All right? All of life is about being responsible and being held accountable. Don't be throwing that on your parents. And you parents quit freaking out when your kids say, you don't trust me. Oh, shut up. Just do the right thing. Well, Bobby's parents let him do whatever he wants. I don't care. And watch what your kids are doing, what they're watching. Are you paying attention to what they're watching? Are you paying attention to what they're listening to? Are you paying attention to who they hang with? No, a lot of you don't because you're off there just relaxing because you finally have some time to yourself. Finish the job. Woe to those who cause some of these young ones to stumble. Pay attention. You have a great responsibility as a parent. And God takes this extremely seriously. Finish the job. You say, I'm having a hard time. Then come to the church. We'll help you. We've got all kinds of resources to help you. But finish the job as a parent. Your kid may not like you. Okay, so they don't like you. They'll get over it. But finish the job. Watch what your daughters wear. For heaven's sakes. Good Lord. Your daughter gets dressed up, starts leaving the house looking like a hooker. You stop her at the door. I don't know what these girls are thinking. They're just not thinking. I did with my daughter. She'd be dressed like she was in her underwear. Heading for the door, I said, ah, wait a minute. Back upstairs. Put on some clothes. She'd cry, oh, you ain't yeah. Oh, shut up. Put on some clothes. <laughs> Good Lord, keep parenting. Pay attention. <sighs> 
verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. First place in the Bible we see the evidence of guardian angels. That's actually true. Jesus talks about it. Not only does God passionately care for your children, he's actually assigned angels over them to watch them. He takes it really serious, man. Look at the terminology he just used, saying, woe to those who cause these little ones to stumble. Sometimes we cause them to stumble just by sins of omission rather than sins of commission because we don't pay attention. And here's a biggie, and I'm not trying to hurt you or make you feel bad. I know a lot of people have been through this. Okay, and a lot of you aren't even Christians at the time. But I'm speaking specifically of the damage of divorce. Divorce is hugely damaging to children. One of the, particularly as Christians, if your kids see you hating dad, do you think they take your faith very seriously? I love Jesus. I just hate my husband. Really? You think your kids buy that? Oh, I love Jesus. I just hate my wife. Really, you think your kids... That kid's even crying just thinking about it. <laughs> you think... <laughs> you think your kids buy into that? Stop it. Well, I'm not happy. How about you don't be focused on you? How about you guys make it work? Now, we're not talking extreme situations where you're physically abused. No one's talking about I'm just talking about normal situations. Most people get divorced. They don't have any of that. They're just mad at each other. For whatever reason. I'm mad. Ah. And people say, Pastor, our marriage is under attack. They think their marriage is the focus. It's not you. The reason your marriage is under attack, the target is your kids. Because he knows if he can get you to hate each other and blow it, man, the chance of them believing in the Jesus you talk about becomes little to zero. Those of you who are having a hard time and it's so difficult and you think you're under some kind of attack, our marriage is under attack. We always talk about marriage is under attack. I think we missed the point. It isn't about the marriage. You think a devil cares whether or not you're married? He doesn't give 10 cents whether you're married or not. It's your kids. It's the target. Every study that has been done on this, I know a lot of you have been divorced. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but at some point we just got to move on. We can't just keep being afraid about making people feel bad and not tell the truth. Every study that's been done on this has shown that kids of divorce are negatively impacted in a massive way. There's some of you, you're 45 years old and you got, your parents got divorced when you were 7 and it still hurts you. This is extremely damaging. Again, if you don't know Jesus and you're out there, and it's, I get it, there's a crazy world. A lot of us have done terrible things. I'm talking to you now, you're here. Now you're married. Now you have responsibilities. You need to hold it together. Say, my husband drives me crazy. Get in line. <laughs> my wife has just done better wine and a kelp bellyacre. Shut up. All right? If you're having a hard time, you can't keep it together, come here, let us help you. We'll help you. But you have to remember, your need to do this, if for nobody else, is for your kids. Woe to those who cause these little ones to stumble and no longer believe in me. The target is your kids. We need to hold it together for them. Let's love each other. The reason you should be nice and respectful to your husband is for your children. The reason you need to love them. Listen to me. You say you love your kids. The most loving thing you can do for that kid is to love her mother. Are you hearing me? You dads. 
I love my kids. Yeah? The most thing you can do to show that you love those kids is love that kid's mother. So I love my children. The thing you can do the most to show those kids you love them is to love their father. We're talking people of faith here. We should be getting this right. The fact that people without faith, or many of you didn't know Jesus before, you did all kinds of crazy things, I get it. But I'm talking about now, in the church, this should never happen in the Christian community. Only under the most extreme of circumstances. For no other reason than to hold it together for them. This is about them. Protecting their hearts and their minds. Say, Pastor, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. My spouse drives me crazy. Well, find something else to make you happy. Get a hobby. Get involved in the church. Then you have to spend so much time with your husband. You know, whatever. Just hold it together. Let's make this right. These kids will not take your faith seriously if you can't hold together. The most basic relationship you have. Let's do it for them. Let's honor God. Let's not be so focused on us. So narcissistic that I have to be happy. Look, I know sometimes things are damaging. Someone commits adultery. There's abuse. I understand that there's times where it just spirals out of control. And woe to those who do this. Because I promise you, the biggest damage, the biggest hurt, the biggest pain is always on those kids. Especially if their faith is negatively affected. Let's hold it together. We can do this. You can love people. Be nice to each other. People always say, Pastor, what should I do? How can I stay happily married? Two words. Be nice. Everybody say, be nice. Just be nice. Isn't that hard? You know, if your version... Of whatever you're going to say to each other. Doesn't fall under the category of be nice. Then don't do it. Be nice. Be considerate. Hold it together. If for no other reason. Than to protect them. Jesus takes this very seriously. See that you do not despise. One of these little ones. I'm telling you the truth he says. I'm watching over them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, this is a great challenge for many of us. This idea of becoming childlike, to change, to be teachable, to care less about what others think, and to just be bold in our faith. And Lord, for these little ones, you said to be careful that we don't cause any of these little ones who believe in you to stumble. Help us, God, as Christian parents, to take this seriously. Help us to be the kind of parents we need to be. Give us the strength, God. It's exhausting. (laughs) Help us to hang in there, to be vigilant, to be on guard, and help us to love and respect our spouses if for no other reason than to protect the hearts and the faith of these little ones who believe in you. Help us to live out our faith in a way that protects them and not harms them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.